going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. We know the numbers, we know the impact on venues, and we also know what the expected legacy might be if we were to host the 2026 Winter Olympic and Paralympic Games. But does that jive with how you feel, Calgary? That's the question that's going to be coming up in November with the plebiscite. Some people think that it's about time we compare Vancouver's 2010 bid to Calgary's bid. But is that comparing apples to oranges? For some insight on that, we bring in the CEO for the 2010 Organizing Committee. John Furlong joins us now. John, thanks for your time. You're welcome. In your mind, is this an apples-to-apples comparison? No, I don't think it is. I think, you know, the numbers that have been printed about, first of all, it's a different time. It's, you know, years past Vancouver, but um, so it's a different time. Um, But, you know, the Vancouver, first of all, the the Vancouver bid for the Olympic Games was submitted to the IOC in Prague in 2003. And in that um, submission to the IOC, we um, presented roughly a, a, a budget uh, of you know, 1.7 to $1.85 billion to run the Games, for which almost all of that money came from the private sector, and a budget of roughly that ended up being about $580 million, which was to build Olympic facilities. So we submitted that, and that uh, was that budget that was guaranteed by the provincial government, and off we went. Uh, since then, uh, of course, we've now you know, ex- executed the games, staged the games, and some of the plans that we had in those days got changed or improved uh, because uh, new opportunities became available to the organizing committee. So the number that has been you know, projected for Vancouver at 7.7 billion is in fact it's grossly misleading and i'll tell you why so if you look at um inside of that 7.7 billion there are two significant major projects that had absolutely nothing to do with the olympics they were not part of the bid uh they had in 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 one case uh, uh they were we, they, we never contemplated using um uh, what was made available to us and that was the building of the canada line from the airport to downtown vancouver which was the result of a conversation that took place between the federal, the provincial, local authorities, tourism and the airport. There had been a discussion for a long time about expanding Vancouver's transportation system. We did not include it in the bid. We didn't anticipate it happening. Um, And when it was built, we didn't use it because um, there was no way for us to use it. I I suspect people got around using the train. So that was a $2.2 billion project that that had no connection at all to Vanock. We were not responsible for it. We had no role in its design its timing or anything obviously when it was built um, it made the city more livable and obviously the people of Vancouver are delighted with the result the train line has made a huge impact in Vancouver the second project is the new convention center which cost I think it was somewhere between eight and nine hundred million dollars so when we submitted our bid um, the television and media facility was to be in a temporary building built by Vanock in Richmond BC Um, When the governments then decided post our bid that they were going to improve the convention center and make it larger um, and and were planning to do that, 
in the years before the staging of the Olympic Games, we abandoned our plan in Richmond and entered into a business arrangement to use the convention center to host the media, broadcasters, et cetera, et cetera, for the games. Mm-hmm. So those two projects together were above $3 billion. It's, it's not reasonable to include them as Olympic costs. The fact of the matter is that all of this, uh, these costs need thorough explaining because some of them are directly related, related to the staging of the games. Well, neither of those two were part of any plan or strategy that we had to deliver the games. They were there. Uh, did they make Vancouver a better city at the time? Yes. Could it be argued that, you know, that governments um, accelerated these projects because of timing? Sure. So the, the projects that are in that you could possibly argue that um, fall under the same kind of banner would be the road to Whistler, except we mm-hmm. did in our bid documents suggest that the road to Whistler, the, the improvement of that road was necessary for us to stage the games and execute the games to the standard that was necessary. So that was a project that I think we were willing uh, to have, you know, attached to the games as a direct cost of staging the Olympics. And then the other one was security, which we weren't responsible for, but we knew that it was a cost and, and the federal government took responsibility for that and organized it through the RCMP as their, you know, as the agency uh, that took control of uh, the cost of the Vancouver Games would have been more in the $4 billion range. But but as often happens in countries that stage the Olympics um, post the awarding of the Games, you know, governments look at the situation they're in. There's this big microscope in the sky on your city, and they start looking at projects uh, through the lens of, you know, could we advance the timing of projects that are sort of on the blotter? Um, are there things that we should be doing now because there will be a chance to, you know, to have other partners contribute to them, et cetera, et cetera? Well, you know, that happens all the time. But for the Olympic Games, these extra projects, they were never contemplated by Vanoc. They were not promoted by Vanoc. They were not mentioned in our bid documents, and we were never asked about them. They just happened to become, you know, part of a conversation that happened around the Games. Right. So, so the projects, I think, that belong in the comparison are the projects everyone's talking about at the time you're bidding. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, I mean, I think the fact of the matter is that, you know, we all these things happened and you could argue about the benefits and the legacy, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the place to make the comparison is what did we go to the IOC with? And 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 that's, I think, a fair comparison for what um, uh, the Olympic Games had originally set out to do. And we rewarded the Games on the basis of that, uh, not on something that, uh, you know, showed up later. What kinds of special considerations do you think Vancouver had to make uh, when, in compared to what uh, Calgary's thinking about or what might not actually apply to Calgary at the end of the day? Well, I think to a certain degree, um, we actually approach this in somewhat the same way. Um, you know, there's a sort of a thing that, that Canadians put themselves through, you know, and I think Calgary's doing it and Vancouver did it. How far can we go with as little as possible. In other words, let's look at all of the opportunity that there is available to us that does not uh, cause, uh, you know, cause us to have to put a shovel in the ground or build something that, where in actual fact that w- there's another way to, 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 to do that project or to do an, a particular event that you're planning for. So I think we're both, um, you know, in a way approaching it the same way. The difference is 
that in 2010, we, nobody was talking about Agenda 2020. Today, the IOC is actively promoting and pushing cities to look for new ideas, to be more creative, to use old facilities, to use smaller venues, to use partner cities. To In some cases, I, I think they would almost be willing to, to use other countries. And, you know, it just depends. I think what the IOC is trying to do is to demonstrate that the games can be delivered for fairly modest budgets. And so I think Calgary is kind of, they're applying a similar attitude that we had. The difference is that it's more of a, of a requirement today than it was for us. We wanted to do that because obviously as an organizing committee, you want to be as responsible as you can and deliver the project for the, the least cost to the taxpayers that you're able to. You mentioned the security aspect, and I'm wondering just in terms of what should Calgary be prepared for, given what you had to deal with on your end, plus the fact that, you know, the times have changed a little bit since 2010. Yeah, well, first of all, we did not actually put, we didn't have, we didn't put a security plan into our bid budget. We simply provided the IOC with an assurance that Canada would secure the games to a Canadian standard and that it would be managed by the RCMP. That was provided to the IOC in simple terms, Mm -hmm. and they accepted that guarantee. The difference is, and so we did not include a budget or a plan or a strategy, and frankly, I think it's awfully early to try to do that many years out. You don't know what's going to happen in the world in the years to come. So I think having a, a detailed security budget or putting an allowance in the budget for security is a departure from what I've seen before. We didn't do that. Um, it, it will be, and or typically, it would be the responsibility of the federal government to uh, to you know provide security for the games. At least that's what happened to us, and it's what typically happens in in most countries that stage the games. So the fact that Calgary has a number in the document is a is quite a departure from us, and it may well be because they've had discussions with governments. I don't know, or it was just a decision that they made. John Furlong, the CEO for the 2010 Vancouver Games, or Organizing Committee joining us. I have one more question for you, John, but first let's head up to the chopper to see what's going on in traffic. The debate over hosting the 2026 Winter Olympic and Paralympic Games will continue right through until Calgarians cast their ballots in November in the plebiscite. Some think that we need to be comparing Vancouver's bid in 2010 to Calgary's potential bid. John Furlong says it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges in a sense. I do have one more question for you, John, before we let you go. And that is, as you look through what's being proposed here, anything stick out either negatively or positively for you? I mean, I think I think generally speaking, um, you know, Calgary is going about it the right way. The the big difference is that you know typically, um, you know, you would I, I I mean, we started out determined to keep as much out of the budget as possible to only submit to the IOC the essentials to stage the Olympics and then leave it to governments, other governments and partners to make their own determination about other things they might or might not want to do. So, you know, obviously, you know, it's a long time. It's many years from being awarded the Games to actually staging the game. So, you know, stuff happens in those times. Infrastructure gets improved and built, et cetera, et cetera. I think Calgary has put more of an effort into understanding what that might look like and what some of those benefits might be than we did. We wanted to go forward with a project that was modest, 
um, inexpensive as as it could be that that was you know professionally organized that had a that had an operating budget that looked like it could be sustained almost entirely by the private sector, which which it was. Government government contribution to the operations of the Olympic Games in Vancouver was less than 10 percent. So so the which means that the public and corporate Canada and the IOC and international marketing partners made an enormous contribution to the success of the Vancouver Games, which I believe will happen for Calgary as well, and probably at a higher level because it's, you know, 16 years later than, than Vancouver. And Calgary has a terrific track record. They've done it before. They've, they've got considerable marketing expertise. It was Calgary that sort of elevated the marketability of the Winter Olympics in the first place. So they have a lot going for them uh, in, in that regard. And so, you know, so there's, there's, a, there's a lot that you could look at um, in these two projects. And, um, and and you can see similarities and you can see differences. There's ways we went about it that are, are and there's ways that Calgary's going about it. And I suspect that local conditions are, are and and political interests and partner interests are having some impact on what's in and what's not in. Mm. John Furlong, the CEO for the 2010 Vancouver Organizing Committee. Thank you so much for the insight today. You bet. Thanks. So some really interesting comments there, in particular when it came to other things outside of the realm of the Olympics, such as the Sea to Sky. Maybe we're jumping the gun in a sense and saying, hey, where's the legacy? Because maybe the legacy hasn't been talked about yet until we actually get approved for the games. I guess only time will tell here. Or maybe that's a question we need to ask this current council. Are there other things on the table?